1: On American Family Radio Network glad to have you with us today I'm your host Walker Wildman don't forget to check out our website AFR.net AFR.net is our website you can also subscribe to my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just type in exposing Washington wherever you listen to podcast and you can subscribe to the show And listen at your convenience. Uh, That's the Exposing Washington podcast. And uh, lastly, as I mentioned each week, we have a great app. It's free, the American Family Radio app that you can download on your mobile device to listen to AFR wherever you are in the world uh, so long as you have an internet connection. That's just a couple ways to keep up with the show Jumping right into the news of the week, you know, the, the goal of the show here is to expose uh, what's going on in our nation's capital, both good and bad. And this, uh, this is a time where the traditional news media isn't doing America justice when it comes to covering the important issues facing our country. In Washington, D.C., you're just not going to get it Uh, good news and information from uh, the traditional mainstream media sources. So that's what we're here for. This week was a busy week in Washington, D.C., for a couple different reasons. The first story I want to talk about is going outside of the beltway, but still, this policy is being discussed in Washington. And that is school openings, whether or not schools across the country will be open, will remain open during this uh, pandemic, if that's what you want to call it. And an example of, of the Democrats and their failed leadership An example of this is Chicago, the city of Chicago. It's been dominated by Democrats for decades. And there's this feud between the teachers' unions and the mayor's office about whether or not schools will be open in Chicago. Currently, they're closed. And I only bring this up to highlight the National Democrat Party that's now in control of Washington, D.C., all three branches of government, the House, the Senate, and the White House. And this example of what's going on in Chicago just shows how unrealistic the policies are of the Democrat Party. So you have the teachers' union, which is largely endorsed by, is supported by traditional Democrats. They support the unions. Well, here you have the unions and the Democrat mayor in a major disagreement. And the teachers' union in Chicago is claiming that, well, it's just not safe for teachers to go teach class. Which that argument in and of itself is baloney. It's just as safe to go teach as it is to go to the grocery store to go to dinner to go to your friend's house to go get gasoline for your vehicle. But what you have here is you, for the most part, and I'm not speaking for every teacher in the Chicago Teachers Union, but to a certain extent, what you have here is you have teachers, or rather, let's just speak to the union, because that's what we know about for sure. You have the teachers union and the members thereof, Who want to get a paycheck from the city of Chicago, but they don't want to go actually teach, which is what they're getting paid to do. So they want the benefits, they want the paycheck, but they just don't want to go to work. And they're allowed to have a seat at the table in Chicago, thanks to Democrats and their failed leadership. So it shows here that that the Democrats, their policies end up working against them. They create this environment of chaos, of anarchy, and where unrealistic, unreasonable people actually have a large say at the table. And that's the story of the Chicago Teachers Union. They don't want to work but they want to get paid. And that's also the story of many Democrats across the country. When it comes to these unnecessary economic shutdowns that have no basis in science, and they blame it on the coronavirus, but they keep businesses closed, They want to close churches down. They don't want anybody to go to school. They don't want anybody traveling. But the people that are implementing these policies, these frankly dumb policies, they still get their paycheck. Why? Because they're on the government payroll. And they get paid no matter what. Whether they work or whether they don't work, whether they do a good job or whether they do a bad job, they get paid. And that's what's going on in Washington, D.C. also. Speaking of getting paid, the Biden administration and the congressional Democrats are working out this $2 trillion spending bill that they're going to push through in the coming days and weeks, $2 trillion is what the price tag is, and they're not even trying to work with Republicans. It's going to be a pure, purely Democratic passed bill, $2 trillion. And as I've said before, I don't know what the end game here is, what the the ending here is going to look like. But I just don't think looking throughout world history that we can continue to print money. And this happened even under the Trump administration. This happened under Republican so-called leadership. But I just don't know how we can keep pumping trillions of dollars into the economy every year. It's printed money, borrowed money, rather, should I say, pumped into the economy. I just don't know how an economy can hold that up without any repercussions. Moving on to a few other topics... I want to play, before we move on real quick, I want to play a clip of Trey Gowdy here. Trey Gowdy, a former congressman from South Carolina, was hosting primetime uh, Fox News show, and he was talking about how his wife is a teacher and how if teachers don't want to teach and they don't feel safe teaching, then they can go do something else. Clip one, let's listen.
0: My wife teaches first grade. She gets up every morning at 4 a.m. to go teach other people's children. I would rather roof houses in July barefoot than teach six year olds. I couldn't do it. She loves it. She has never once said a word about her own health during this pandemic. She puts on her mask and she goes to school because she loves the children and she knows the power of education and every day missed hurts the children. I want you to contrast that with what is happening in Chicago and other places where it seems like the teachers have all the time in the world for dance videos and union meetings, but no time for the children. And they can give you all the reasons not to go back in the classroom, but they can't seem to find a single reason to go back in the classroom. Teaching is hard work, even without a pandemic. It's hard work, I get it. But if you don't want to teach, Go do something
1: else. Well, there you have it. Trey Gowdy's message, if you don't want to teach, go do something else. And this just underscores or highlights the selfishness of society, the selfishness that seems to dominate our culture. And selfishness is just one of the many problems that we're seeing here in society. But this is a prime example. The teachers' union and the teachers in Chicago are making it all about them and completely ignoring the needs of the students. And that in and of itself is shameful. Absolutely shameful. But the teachers... They still get paid, even though they're not working when they should be teaching and working. Moving on to another topic, John Kerry, he's the climate czar for the Biden administration, which this has become a, a laughing game about John Kerry's hypocrisy when it comes to this so-called climate change. It was global warming, and then the globe stopped warming, and now it's called climate change. Why? Because the climate's always changing. So they can always say we are fighting climate change. John Kerry was busted in 2019 flying his private jet to get a a climate change award. Ironic, I know. And he was asked about this, about whether it was hypocritical for him to fly his private jet to get this <laughs> climate change award. And here's, here was his response, clip two, let's listen.
0: It's the only choice for somebody like me, the time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I'm doing almost full time is working to win the battle of climate change. I'm not going to be put on the defensive.
1: Well, there you have it. That's in 2019 when questioned by a reporter about flying his private jet spewing jet fuel emissions into the atmosphere he said well basically I'm fighting a righteous cause and I'm doing my part there's no other way to travel I mean I can't ride a boat across the ocean so I've got to fly these jets and I've got to get things done and I'm not going to put on the be put on the defensive If John Kerry really believed that carbon emissions were the cause or were leading to the breakdown of our environment, increased natural disasters, the oceans are on the rise, we're all going to flood, we need to be building our arcs. If John Kerry really believed that in his heart, He would not fly a private jet around the world getting awards for fighting climate change. And this shows, proves two fundamental things about John Kerry and people who think like him. Number one, he doesn't really believe what he's fighting in. Otherwise, as I mentioned, he wouldn't contribute to the alleged problem. That's number one. Number two is people like John Kerry view themselves as more important than you and I. John Kerry is hes fighting to save the world from climate change. How dare us question him and his private jet? How dare us little people question John Kerry and his carbon emissions and his carbon footprint? After all, you and I, we should be reexamining how we commute to work. We should be reexamining how often we fly in airplanes. Because if we don't cut down on our carbon emissions, everybody's going to die. The world's going to end in seven to nine years. You can mark my word. This is the narrative. I'm being cynical here, but this is the narrative we get. If us little people don't start riding bikes to work and eating all vegetable diets then the world is going to end, and we're going to be responsible. The responsibility for the oceans rising is going to fall squarely on the shoulders of you and me. And John Kerry and others wonder why they just can't get more people believing their lies. It's because when you look at their actions their actions don't match their words and isn't that the story of our leaders that's the story of Washington DC moving on uh we had the this past week there's this been there's this been this uh this back and forth dispute about which members of Congress should serve on committees and which ones shouldn't and how many Republicans we can cancel from society and which Democrats are the most radical. Well, AOC this week, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just went on a, a tour trying to seek and receive sympathy for all the struggles she has been through and all the struggles she went through on January 6th, when our nation's capital was raided by a bunch of alleged Trump supporters. Some might have been Trump supporters, others might have not been, probably a mix of both. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman out of New York, claimed that her life was in danger. Let's listen to clip three talking about the emotional damage done to AOC on the January 6th incident. Clip three, let's listen.
2: Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned, especially in, um, in counseling services offered to House members, is that telling our stories and retelling it, especially right after um, the events transpired, is a really important part to healing and um, and getting through it. And so once we tell that story, and this applies to survivors of trauma all over the country, telling that story as many times as possible and giving that account, allowing yourself to move through that emotion allowing yourself to revisit that fear and process it and then move past it is important. But yeah, there, there are lots of emotions. There's fear. There's anger at, at folks who mm. attacked our nation's capital. Um, there's frustration that this could have happened. Um, but then there's also determination for us to never allow this to happen again.
1: Well, a couple things here, not to doubt. Down- My goal here is not to downplay what happened on January 6th when the couple hundred people rushed the Capitol, broke into the Capitol, vandalized some property. We all agree that that's wrong. I've said it probably five to ten times since then. But the point here in playing that clip and talking about this is that AOC claimed this past week that her office, her congressional office, was, was raided by these Trump supporters, and she was in there, and she saw one of them, and her life was in danger. She felt like she was going to die then and there. That's the quick summary of her story this week. She even accused Senator Ted Cruz of attempted murder, as outlandish as that is. Well, as it turns out, uh, AOC wasn't even in the Capitol when the people trespassed. AOC wasn't even in the Capitol when the protesters walked through the Capitol. She was a couple blocks away at one of the House Congressional Office buildings, which from all accounts was secure by Capitol Police, and it was actually a place where many of the lawmakers were sheltering. So the whole story about her office in the Capitol being raided, and she was in there and she saw him through the doorway, It actually wasn't true. But who cares, right? I mean, why does it matter if she just made up a few points of the story? Well, the the point here is that if anyone else lies, such as even Republicans, if they just make up stuff, they are roundly rebuked, even by their own party. Roundly rebuked by the media, canceled from culture, But Democrats, they can literally make up stories. They can lie to the world, all for theater, for political theater. And what happens to them? Absolutely nothing. And even oftentimes, they are applauded for their lies. And what happened with AOC is no different. She will not face repercussions from society for lying. She will be applauded, and her position in Congress will remain secure. Moving on to a few other topics, the education secretary, or nominee, rather, at this point, President Biden's education pick to run the Department of Education was put on a put on the hot seat, if you will, from Senator Rand Paul about his view of transgenders serving or playing sports in college and high school. Let's listen to clip four, Senator Rand Paul.
0: Does it bother you that like the top 20% of boys running in track meets beat all of the girls in the state and that it, you know, would be... You know, completely destroy girls' athletics, that girls are being pushed out, um, they don't make the finals in the state meet, they don't get college scholarships, that it's really detrimental to girls' sports. Do you worry about having boys running girls' track meets? You know, I, I recognize and appreciate the concerns um, and the frustrations that are expressed. I, as Commissioner of Education, have had conversations with families uh, who have felt the way you just described it and families of... Uh, students who are transgender. So I understand that this is a challenge. I look forward to working with you and others to do you think it's fair to have boys running in the girls track mate. I think it's appropriate for it's, I think it's, it's the legal responsibility of schools to provide opportunities for students to uh, participate in activities and this includes students who are transgender. So you don't have a problem then with boys running in the girls' track meet, swimming meets, name it. You're okay then with boys competing uh, with girls? Respectfully, Senator, I think I answered the question. I believe schools should offer the opportunity for students to engage in extracurricular activities, even if they're transgender. I think that's their right.
1: All right, so just to break this down, and Senator Rampaw did a very good job there. This goes back to the target days, the target boycott, which is still ongoing. This issue is, is, is very simple. Despite the confusion put forth by the science deniers, those that claim that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, and after all, what's the difference, right? The reality here is that we have a mainstream party in, a, in our country, the Democrats, that are for confusion and anti-science positions, ones that say boys should be able to run track on the girls' team. Girls should be able to play basketball on the boys' team and claim to be boys. We're not talking about co-ed sports here. We're talking about embracing anti-science positions and many positions which are actually detrimental to young people, people who actually struggle with gender dysphoria. The Biden administration believes that biological males should be able to play on the women's basketball team and dunk over women, and all is equal, right? It's insanity. And whenever these policies are implemented, there is an outcry from parents because it is unfair, anti-science, Gender confusion, insanity, not to mention it goes directly against, most importantly, God's design for human sexuality. This is the Democrat Party, the party that doesn't use science. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, don't forget to check out our website, AFR. We'll post more articles there on my podcast page. We'll see you next week.